This is a new podcast from 6A Church called Questions, where I, along with Jim Huntimer and others, will sit down each week and take a look at some of the questions that people have about God, Christianity, the Bible, and so much more. Be sure to leave any questions you have for each episode on the comment section for that episode, and enjoy. All right, we're rolling. Becky Manning has also joined us. Hi. Hi, David. <laughs> well, so a uh, little bit different setting. We're in the coffee room. Jim and I are in here with the world's loudest clock, so you might hear the clock ticking in the background once in a while if the conversation ever actually stops. Uh, Becky said she didn't realize that we were live next door. Yes, we're live. So, um, But today we're going to continue on our questions podcast, and um, we've done two episodes so far. David Coons has joined us. Good afternoon, David. Um, so if you're listening to the audio, this might be a little bit confusing, but from time to time, if somebody hops on the Facebook live stream, then I'll, I might mention them or we might try to address their comment. And if you're on Facebook Live, if I look down at the computer, it might be because my computer crashed and I have to restart it. So if I give one of these to Jim, that means I have to stop and restart the computer or restart the recording. So a couple of moving couple of moving parts to today's uh, live stream. But... Um, we are we're going through this this series on the podcast dealing with some difficult questions. And last week we we did another episode live. And we, what did we talk about last week? Um, was it his? Oh, is the Bible reliable? Oh yeah. Uh, can you trust what it says? Can you trust what the Bible says? Our, I'm glad your memory is better than mine because I had no, <laughs> I couldn't recall it at all. Um, but so last week we were talking about if you could trust the Bible. The first week we talked about science. Uh, science. Yeah. Does science contradict the Bible? Yeah. And so those episodes are available online. You can go watch those or listen to those, not watch. But um, today we're talking about God and specifically clues for God. Right. And so um, I don't know if you want to get us started talking about that or if you... Well, the idea... Of- behind that title, Clues for God, it's one thing to talk on an intellectual level about God's existence and and how does he relate to science and history and, and uh, can we trust the things that God says. But uh, what we're looking at today is the reality of God and how do we actually see God's reality that we can know that he is there. And... And, if, and in case anyone's wondering, you cannot prove definitively that God exists. In right? terms of logical uh, proofs, because you know human logic is, is flawed, and if you follow the line of human logic far enough, you always end up in some kind of error. Um, it's just the nature of human beings. For instance, nobody, can, nobody has ever figured out how to calculate the exact area of a circle. We can only come up with an approximate area, although it's all close enough for anything we need practically. Right. But, but there are a lot of things that we can't know exactly. Right. Right. Um, but at the same time, as, as you can't conclusively prove that God exists, neither could anyone conclusively prove that he doesn't exist. Right. And there, and there are some really solid clues that those of us who know him, they become obvious to us as we get to know him. Um, namely, 
Uh, you have clues in science. You have things that can't be explained by science other than the fact that there's a, a creator who's, who's actually at work influencing the universe. There's clues in history. There's historical events uh, that, that demonstrate that God is real, such as the, the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, which are historical events that can be proven. And then the third is, is our personal uh, experience with God. We see God doing things in our lives. We see God changing our character, right. and we can't take credit necessarily for that. And so, so there was personal, personal, personal evidences, right? And then the first two other ones were um, resonance. Uh, <laughs> well, Jesus, it's well historical evidence, and then historical creation. And the Bible actually says that God reveals Himself through His creation. Okay, so. Um, really quickly, let's pause for a second. I, I can you hear Jim? Okay, I want to make sure that you can out everyone out on face in Facebook land, face plant land. Um, can you hear Jim? All right. Can you hear both of us? Okay. It's more important that you hear Jim well in this conversation than me. But uh, if you could do that, and then we actually we had a question come in that's not related to this topic, but Shelley was asking. Does the Bible say this COVID-19 is going to happen? <laughs> uh, not specifically. Um, you know, I'm reading through the book of Revelation right now, and there's a lot of things that happen at the end of the age. And, of course, we don't know if we're in the end of the age or not, although there's a lot of things we point to to say, well, we might very well be. Um, but, uh, you know, for instance, in one case, uh, one third of humanity dies. Now that sounds like some kind of. It could very well be some kind of a plague, right? Uh, but in terms of specifically, there have been a number of uh, pandemics going on over the last hundred years. Right, the flu in the early 1900s that killed off right. millions of people. The, the SARS SARS was considered a pandemic. Um, the AIDS HIV AIDS crisis when it first appeared was a pandemic uh, because they didn't have any way of stopping it at the time. So. so, so there, there are. I think to answer the question um, specifically, no. There's, there's not a specific COVID nineteen reference in Scripture, or, or even really kind of a. There's not even necessarily a figurative reference in Scripture about what's happening right now. But there are. If, if this were the end times, which neither of us are saying that, so there's no predictions going on here. Right. <laughs> Don't, we're not. We're not saying the end is is coming, but. Um, but if this were the end times, then then you could say that yes, there's there are some references in Scripture to events like this happening. Right, and I'm sure that if you did a, a Google search, you could find a, a few preachers right. somewhere who <laughs> who are saying this is the sign of the end times. Right. But yeah. So somebody should more somebody should go look that up real quick and see who's making predictions right now about the end of the world. There's got to be a new prediction. Someone someone has to have made a new prediction by now that the end is near. And uh, and I've seen there been there was an earthquake in Salt Lake City today. Right. So people are probably you know earthquakes, pestilences. You know, so is, does this mean that this is the end? Right. Um, Although there's one there's a passage in the uh, Olivet Discourse where uh, Jesus is talking. You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars, right. earthquakes, and a whole host of different things. And he's saying, but the end is not yet. He says these are normal events, as tragic as they can be. Right. But you can't. 
determine the end by looking at specific events. Like remember, Mount St. Helens was a big thing for preachers. Right. This is a sign of the end, and so. Shelly is saying that she has seen that this is the end of time on Facebook. Yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised at that. Yes, but that, but no, that does not mean that this is the end of time. So it might be. Uh, it might be, but it doesn't. Mean, it's that's not a guarantee. And so, you know, we just I think, uh, and you can throw in your two cents here. But the call for Christians in this time is to keep on living with hope, because right. even if this is the end time, we should have. If this is the end time, not even if, but if this is the end time, we have more hope now than ever. Right. Because the end is nearer, that means that Jesus is about to win. <laughs> right. And and he did teach us that when it actually happens, the whole world will know it. it it'll be like the lightning from the east to the west. It's yeah, something that will be very obvious. It's not going to be, hmm, was that it? <laughs> Do we, you know, we're going to be, it's going to be absolutely, absolutely sure that this is what happened. Right. Everyone knows. Everyone on the planet will know. Right. Without a doubt. we're instructed to just keep on doing what God wants us to do. When Jesus returns, he says that's what he wants to find the church doing, just what he wants us to do. And so I see a couple more people have joined us. Kami's joined us. Hi, Kami. Veronica joined us again. Nice to have you guys with us. So that's that's our brief answer. Uh, Jim could probably give a much more uh, definitive answer to that question than I could, but Thanks for asking the question. Any other questions, feel free to go ahead and throw them on here. Um, Doreen says that my friend and I feel this is the time God prepares more children to know him. And there's actually a lot of, I think a lot of people having that same discussion right now. That that no matter what's happening right now, at this moment in time, God is preparing people and... And I think there's there's a lot of things getting taken away from people that we've depended on and, and, and relied on, and now we're going to have people who are starting to look to God for those things and looking to the church for those things. So it's really a great opportunity for the church if we take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. And we, we're seeing that around the right, world. Right. I mean, now, uh, according to the statistics I've read, there are more Christians in China than there are in the United States. Right, right. There are more Christians in Africa than there are in the United States. And these churches, who are often under really hard conditions, are actually sending out missionaries even to the United States. Right. Uh, so worldwide, that's really true. Our culture is, a, is in a difficult time for right. believers. Yeah, and, and we've, we've tried through a lot of what we've been talking about in, the, in this book series, which, by the way, this is the book, uh, The Reason for God by Timothy Keller, is that in our in our country and western society in general renee miller has joined hi renee good to have you on with us today um and western society in general we've been working really hard for two three generations now at least to eradicate god we've been working hard to 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 prove that god doesn't exist to get god out of science but we've been trying to prove Prove that God doesn't exist. I think it was Nietzsche that said that God is dead. Was he the one that said that? Um, I think so. I'm not sure. But but it's been an you know an idea we've been trying to propagate for a long time, and so now we head into a major crisis like this in the in the climate in the cultural climate of a country of a world that's been trying to prove that God doesn't exist for for decades and generations now, and so um, there is I think going to be a lot of people questioning whether that was a truth or not whether whether that's is that real that is that a real thing that i've been taught that god doesn't exist 
I'm, I don't know if I'm explaining that well, but people are going to be questioning that 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 truth. Right. So to when speak. bad things happen, people always question: Has God forgotten us, or is He not even? actually there but it also brings us kind of back to our topic because jesus said uh, they will know you are my disciples by your love for one another the way we believers respond to a crisis like this and and step up and all the things that that the church does um, not only here in the united states but around the world are one of the clues that god is real uh, and and we God actually lets people know that He's real by working through the things that that we do uh, selflessly, sacrificially to help the people around us. And and times like this virus are one of the the clues that right. God exists that other people can see. Right. So so let's dig into this question a little bit. Clues for God, and it's based out of uh, chapter eight. Shelley says prayer. Yeah, we it's a great opportunity for prayer. We should be. I think it's just. You know, we as a church have been leaning into prayer a lot more over the last year, probably in general, but especially in the last several months, um, really wanting to lean into prayer, doing 24 hours of prayer and that kind of a thing. But I think just ra- around the world, churches are are praying more, wanting to see God move. Right. And, and you actually see the, the answers to prayer, which which becomes a real part of our, our own personal stories. Right. Um, where we can say, I know God exists because I've seen him do this. I've you know, talked to him about this, and he responded, and he took me through the crisis. And all of these things are the evidence for his reality. Right. So um, chapter 8 of the book, uh, clue, uh, The Clues of God, this is from The Reason for God, and he kind of he starts off talking a little bit about the Big Bang Theory, um, which is interesting, uh, and he, let's see if I can find it, he says that the probability of this perfect calibration happening by chance is so tiny as to be statistically negligible. And then he quotes from a guy named Collins that says, when you look from the perspective of a scientist at the universe, it looks as if it knew we were coming, talking about humanity, people. So, there are 15 constants, the gravitational constant, various constants about the strong and weak nuclear force, and so forth. They have precise values. If any one of those constants was off by even one part in a million, or in some cases by one part in a million million, the universe could not have actually come to the point where we see it. Matter would not have been able to coalesce. Uh, there would have been no galaxies, stars, planets, or people. And so, even in, even looking at the the argument that scientists are making for how the world was created, if you really start to dig into the argument for the Big Bang theory and the idea of the Big Bang theory and the precision with which everything had to happen in the Big Bang Theory, to one and one million million, <laughs> the, the, you know, the odds of, of this life of humans especially forming as a result of that kind of an accident are incredibly unlikely, which points to the evidence for God, that there, right. there's, that's a clue for God. And, and the unlikeliness of the Big Bang Theory points to a clue for God. 
Mm-hmm. And the only reason the Big Bang Theory was developed in the first place was to try to explain how the universe got here uh, through natural causes. But what most people don't realize is that the Big Bang, and scientists generally know this, the Big Bang didn't create anything. All the matter and energy that is in the universe right now still existed before the Big Bang. Okay. It's just that they have processes in which it all came together into a very tight, tiny ball, and the force was so strong that it exploded and created this particular universe as we know it. But it didn't create anything. It still doesn't answer the question, right. where did it come from? <laughs> yeah, where did the stuff that banged come from? Right. <laughs> uh, but a couple weeks ago, we, we talked about the idea that everything in the universe is moving in an arc, in a curved line. But one of the laws of uh, motion is that an object in motion always moves in a straight line unless acted upon by an outside force. So if everything is moving in a curved line, the big bang type of explosion sends things out in a straight line. So where is the force that's causing everything to curve? Yeah. The only thing I know of that's available is God. And, and in the Bible, it says that God actually holds the universe together by the word of his mouth. And, and you know, we, they talked about the force of gravity, which is a constant, but we really don't understand why gravity exists. Right. Or the attraction, magnetic attraction, for instance, and all the other um, forces that we have. They're just there. And if you believe Scripture, it says that, well, that's actually God that's causing all these things to happen. And, and another another thing, uh, seeds, where we 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 know we know what each part of a seed does, but we still scientists don't really know why a seed comes to life, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they know what happened. They know they know what nutrients are there in the seed to provide for the life of the seed. Hope has joined us. Hi, Hope. Good to have you. Um, but they they know the different components, but they don't know why a seed produces a living thing, right? Mm-hmm. Because how do you know that? Yeah, how does how does um, non-living materials all of a sudden come together in a way that is actually living? Mm-hmm. That's that's the issue there. Uh, the same the same thing with with um, animal life. Uh, the Bible says God breathes life into us at the very beginning of of our creation, and uh, how does non-living matter come together and all of a sudden it's alive? That's that's a question that science really can't answer. Yeah, and so I mean, if if any of us went to try to create something that would come to life, we would fail, right? Because we can't create life itself. So then, life itself becomes one of the clues for God. The the, the very fact that we are living, the very fact that we are able to breathe and exist is, right. is a clue for God. But um, let's let's go to one of the the first thing you said uh, was was. Creation, the clues for God. Was that the first one? Yeah, first the first one is, is creation. Yeah. So and, let's let's talk about that a little bit more because we're already kind of there. Right. And God authorizes it. He says the heavens declare the glory of God. And in in Romans one, it says mankind can look at the universe and not only see the existence of God and the power of God, but the nature of God. There's a lot that man can learn. And we look at various religions that were developed because of observation of nature. Um, None of them have the full truth because you also need uh, some wisdom behind that, which is what the Bible provides as to how all these things took place. So... um so we've got the creation account, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago. That gives it, it just it's just a 
basically just a description of what happened, what God did, right? Uh, without a whole lot of explanation or why behind it. It's just this is what happened, and then you can see in that creation account the the um, logic or rationale. You can see things were created logically in, in a certain order in the way they would have needed to be created. Um, but let's, if you would. Um, the nature of God. How do we see more? How do we see about the the nature of God by by observing the created world? What do we What do we learn about God's nature? Well, one of one of the important aspects to God's nature is is what we've come to call the the Trinity: Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know, there's only one God, but Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are three different ways to describe God, and you find that you find true trinities all through nature. Okay. For instance, space is defined by first dimension, second dimension, third dimension. That's the scientific terms. If we look at length, width, and depth, if you imagine a piece of wood, uh, four inches wide, two inches thick, and 12 inches long, how much of that piece of wood is 12 inches long? 100%. How much is two inches thick? 100%. Does that mean that 12 inches long equals two inches thick? No, they're two entirely different ways of describing that piece of wood. And then the same thing for the four inches wide. Um, This is a true trinity. The Mm -hmm. word trinity is not necessarily a religious word. Okay. And... And so, but we see that time is future, present, past. We see the same thing in, in matter, and, and you can you can dig into these things and uh, dig into scientific writings, and you find these kinds of descriptions that, uh, for those of us who believe in God, they say, well, that's that's just describing what who God is as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, we can, uh, and then you can go beyond that in the nature of God. You can see His love. Uh, through the things that that he's done in history, which is another area of clues, is history. You can uh, see the nature that God is intelligent because the universe is in an intelligent place. It all works together, and the mathematical odds of that happening by chance are about as close to zero as you can get. Okay. Well, so so you said everything's a trinity. Are are people? Are people a trinity? Yes. Okay. Uh, God describes us as, as uh, spirit, body, and soul. Okay. Um, and we, we see that in the creation of man. God uh, made man out of the materials of the earth, out of the dust of the earth. Uh, your body tells you what you are. And then God breathed into that, that body that he created and made it a living being, or in the Hebrew, a living soul. The spirit is why you are. The Spirit is the breath of God that God breathed. That's the human spirit, not the Holy Spirit. Uh, that He breathed into us, that made us alive. Okay. And then um, that's why we are, because God cared to create people. Your soul is your personality, your character. It's all those things that define you that are not material things. And that tells us, that answers the question, what are who we are okay. it's how other people understand us we are 100% spirit 100% body and 100% soul uh, soul the spirit is the invisible source right. of everything we are the body is a visible manifestation of everything we are and our soul is is how 
who we are affects our environment and how other people understand and relate to us. And the same definitions would include would fit the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, so you just you went there. Um, so that would become we then would become a clue for God, right? Right, because, exactly. Because we have we have we have three parts to us, and God created us in His image. Mm-hmm. Then we're then we also because because we're created in God's image, and we become then a testament or a witness for mm-hmm. the fact that God exists. Right. It's always been seen by the church that that human beings are the are one of the ways that God reveals Himself to the human race. Okay, so I uh, want to pause just for a second and see if there are any questions about that idea about uh, evidences for God in nature or the nature of God in nature, being able to observe the nature of God in nature, and uh, give you just a few seconds. Uh, to jump in. Of course, that means we have to wait 20 or 30 seconds to see. (laughs) But uh, if you have any questions on that idea or any questions in general that you're just wanting to ask, feel free to go ahead and throw those out uh, while we're we're talking. Uh, Just because one of us is talking doesn't mean you can't ask a question. If you you have a question, throw it up on the comments. And uh, as soon as we have a spot to stop, we'll work that question in and start talking about it. So we're going to keep on. If you have a question, throw it on there. But um, the second thing, the second second way we can see, a second clue, a second set of clues for right. God. History. history. We see him okay. at work in history. Um, a lot of people don't realize this, but the entire Old Testament, the authority of the Old Testament is all based on the Exodus, the, the plagues crossing the Red Sea, and then God giving the law to the Israelites on Mount Sinai. Okay. And and. Those people who were alive at that time and saw this, they heard the voice of God. Some of them actually saw God. The elders of Israel, as as well as Moses, saw God and interacted with him. And for them, there was no question that God was real because they could see him interacting with them. And so, so if you, if you hear his voice booming on a mountain and you can see the cloud and you can see all of that, right? you can see God in, in a sense. Right. Now, over time, you know, they turned away from him it, all through their history, and, and he did numerous historical things where he came into history and revealed himself. But the point that you see in the Old Testament was the importance God played, put on the idea of making sure you teach your children the things that you have seen and heard and that these things are passed on. And and the whole rest of the Old Testament, its authority all comes down to the point of this experience that Israel had when God called them out of Egypt and made them a people. So then in the Old Testament, you're the... Uh, no one was ever asked to believe the Exodus or in Mount Sinai by faith. Right. There These was, things happened. It was historical. Right. You could you could prove it. And now, like we talked about, was it last week? Yeah, last week, I think, when we talked about... Um, oh, two weeks ago. Okay, two yeah, weeks ago. Yeah. Last week was, is the Bible trustworthy? Okay. I, think it was, I think it was last week because we were talking about... Oh, maybe. Yeah, you're yeah. correct. You're correct. Um about the how you can go back in history and look at and and see uh, you know Joseph and the and the uh, land that was bought up and all the records that show that right so you can right. go back and check that out yeah there's a lot of really uh, remarkable connections between the biblical stories and and what 
we know actually happened in history. But then in the New Testament, there's another event. Right. There's another event in the New Testament that we're never asked to, to believe by faith. But it's, it's a historically proven uh, uh, event that happened, and, and that was... That was, well, the resurrection of Jesus. Okay. That can be, there's more evidence for the resurrection of Jesus than there is for the life of Julius Caesar. Okay. Um, but this is, but it's not just that. It's the fact a lot of people I've talked to actually question the existence of Jesus. Okay. But he was a historical figure. Um, I was just reading this week about they found an, a letter written in the first century uh by a prisoner to his son, trying to encourage his son to to have wise behavior and not to turn away from wisdom. And in this letter, he's referring to um, two or three events, and then he, in which a wise person was killed, and then bad things happened to that nation at the time. And and the last one that he refers to is when the Jews killed their king. He doesn't mention Jesus by name, but he connects up the fact that the Jews killed their king, and then God judged them by having the Roman Empire come in, destroy Jerusalem and the temple, and scatter the Jews all over. And it's interesting that a non-Christian source sees this in the events that that he was aware of. So so the non-Christian, outside the Bible, extra-biblical source... Uh, doesn't just talk about Jesus and the fact that the Jews killed their king, mm-hmm. but then it talks about what happens after that, right? Because right. it talks about uh, the judgment of God, which would would have been uh, the temple being destroyed and and Jerusalem being destroyed and the Jews being scattered, right? Mm-hmm. So, and that is a historically proven event as well, right? And there are other documents that are outside the church. For instance, the Jewish Talmud, which is a collection of all the teachings of the rabbis that was passed down orally until they started to collect them on paper. And in these collections, they they fully admit that Jesus did miracles. Of course, they blamed it on the devil, um, which they do in, in the, the Gospels. Yeah, we yeah. read that in the yeah. Gospels that they accused him of that. And but they're admitting that he committed mir- that he performed miracles. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also uh, a writing in, from one Jewish historian uh, that refers to Jesus as being being killed under Pontius, being executed under Governor Pontius Pilate. Um, this was this was something that was known, and and the early Christians in some of their writings recognized that the records of this are found in the archives of the Roman government, okay. uh, which were eventually destroyed. Which is why we don't have most of those records. But but it's all it's all history. In other right. words, it's all there. It's all a verifiable fact, right? Not conjecture, not theory, not uh, not something that we're uh, an idea we're hoping. We could someday prove to be true, mm-hmm. but by looking back over what actually happened in history, we can see it. And we, I think we talked a little bit about this last week from 1 Corinthians 15 with Paul when he gives out the list. Of, of the witnesses of the, of the witnesses, resurrection. Right, and he starts with the apostles, and then he get, goes out into 500, the 500, 500 people at once. And, and then, but then he says, and you can go ask these people. Mm-hmm. Which you wouldn't say if they weren't actually witnesses, right? But um, that's that's another another historical you know another historical fact, another historical evidence. Um, you know, when for instance with uh, with O.J. Simpson, if there were if there were five hundred witnesses for him. <laughs> 
killing his wife or whatever you know whatever it was uh-huh. he was accused of then then there's no way right there's no way that he's going he gets off the first time uh-huh. of, of his of, of what he was being accused of so if there's 500 witnesses to anything you know on that's pretty you, solid yeah the, <laughs> there's that's pretty pretty much a guaranteed fact that that thing actually happened so so that was nature and history but then there's a third category of ways we can see clues for god and that's your that's our personal experience this is probably the most meaningful to us but it's also the hardest to get people to understand because oh that was just coincidence but i uh years ago i went through this uh thing with some other people and one of the things that we did was we created a personal timeline. We were asked to come up with all the significant events in our lives and then arrange them in chronological order. And when you started looking at how things had worked out through your life, this was a tremendous evidence that the hand of God was on you. I could see that before I believed, God was arranging things so that when I actually heard the gospel and understood it, I would, I would respond and and the you know just it's so helpful for me to think back at the times when god was the most active in amazing ways when he was answering real prayers when he took me through times of crisis in my life and these strengthened me i have absolutely no doubt that god is real because i've seen him at work in these things and i'm in the process of trying to to learn to recognize his hand in in everyday events in my own life that's the area of growth that i'm in right now um, and i can't take credit for this but I, I heard a pastor say once about uh you know if you're if you're if you're struggling with faith or belief or trust to to just pray to pray a prayer and say ask god to show to show you where he's working in your life today to just for for one day to to just pray a prayer and say god i want to see help me to see where you're working in my life today and start noticing the things that that maybe maybe you could chalk up as coincidence but if you're if you're a believer there's no such thing as coincidence right right <laughs> everything at some point along the way is a part of god's plan um i don't know if you want to talk about that robin whitman just joined us hi robin good to have you do you want to talk about coincidence for a second? Yeah, that might be um, an interesting. Uh, just one of the one of the really fun stories that I like. This was this was a long, long, long time ago, but it's a short enough story that I won't take up all of our all of our time. But I was in the army and I was uh, based in South Korea, and I was feeling I'd had some experience working at at Christian summer camps, and and all of a sudden in the middle of the Korean winter, this is probably November or December, and I started feeling like God wanted me to work in summer camp, and mm-hmm. I felt I just felt like He was leading. Now that's that can be coincidence; it can just be your emotional reaction, okay? But I I said, well, you know, if that's going to happen, I mean, I'm in the army; I'm going to miss the next two summers. I really need to be able to at least work at camp and get experience next summer. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd be still in the Army, and so I didn't know how that would happen. The next day, I left for um, a military games up in the divisional headquarters up near the demilitarized zone, and uh, 
you know, where my job was to teach a couple officers how to deal with intelligence information okay. because I was in military intelligence. So we got up to the base there, and I was let off so I could go to the do- the barracks where I was staying. I found an empty bed, and the guy sitting on the next bed to me, and I started unpacking myself, and his friend came in, and his friend was one of these guys who worked where his job was to receive incoming communications to the base. His friend comes rushing in with some papers in his hand, and he said, guess what just came in? He said, we're not supposed to release this. This isn't supposed to come out till next week. So you're the first one on the base to know. And he starts describing how the Nixon administration had just created an early out option hmm. for, for soldiers because they wanted to reduce the size of the military. And, and so he explained a little bit. And then he looked at me, a stranger, and said, would you like a copy of this? I said, sure. And, <laughs> and so he gave me the copy, and it told all the requirements that I had to have. And they weren't, they weren't easy. They weren't obvious. But... I was able to take care of everything, get all my paperwork, so the next week when it was announced, I filed my paperwork so I could be the first one in, and uh, God took care of all the options, such as making room in a National Guard unit in my hometown, and this was during Vietnam, and so National Guard and Reserve units, which weren't being deployed like they are today, uh, they were all full of people trying to get out of being drafted, mm-hmm. and but there was space in my hometown, hmm. and and this came through, and within a month I was out of the army, and I was already making contacts with the camp, and they were wow. asking me to do things. Wow! So, so either that's that's a string of a lot of coincidences, <laughs> yeah, or or God was working in your life to create that opportunity. We. My wife and I have a pretty similar story uh, for us coming to the church. Um, maybe not quite that extreme, not nearly that extreme, but um, I, one of the one of the things that really stands out and God calling us to six eight church was um, the church was was dealing with a situation, and while they were dealing with with some of the stuff that was going on here at the church, I was unemployed. Uh, my wife and I were, you know, just kind of sitting, like a lot of people are probably doing right now, sitting around the house waiting for something to happen, and nothing was happening. And and you get a little stir crazy, waiting, waiting for for any sign, any good sign of something good to come. And um, and so we would pray, and oftentimes we would we would say, you know, after not hearing from someone from Six Eight Church or Whipple Creek Church at that time, after not hearing for for a season, we'd say, God, we you know, we really need to hear this from them soon you know and oftentimes we might, i don't know if we were this specific but maybe would say tomorrow or in the next couple of days and and that three times in a row when we pray that prayer after not hearing something for a couple of weeks with overnight uh, the next morning we'd have a, a communication from becky manning here at the church and it would almost be word for word what we had prayed the night before and so uh I don't know unless I mean I know our phones listen to us now we know that <laughs> but I don't think at that time Becky Manning had the ability to tap our phone and listen to our prayers that we were praying um, and I don't even know if we prayed them out loud together if we were just praying them and uh, praying the same prayers which was another way that God was working in us and and uh, so I don't know how how to explain that other than that God was working in that situation and moving to bring us uh, into this church. And so that's a clue for God in, in our life, and you know that's one of the many in your life. But yeah. there might be someone listening out here right now that has a similar story they'd be willing to share 
of something that that a lot of people might chalk up as coincidence but when you look at it you can see it's a clue for the existence of god that god provided that and if you want to share in the comments we'd love to uh include that in in our little uh discussion today but yeah and i mean this is just a really important issue it's part of our story Mm -hmm. you know people uh, talk about you know witnessing about Jesus and delivering the gospel, but it's all about our story and our interaction with God. And it really is helpful to go back and look at key moments in your life where God was there to help steer you through those key moments or act to actually make them happen. And if we can just make that part of our personal story, people are really interested in hearing these kinds of stories. And so it, it can be very, very helpful. Well, that's that's a really good point because um, it's hard. You can't argue with a story. You can't you can't disprove a story. You know you you can if it's a lie. But um, when when you're telling a personal testimony, a personal story, it's not like trying to argue somebody into the faith or argue somebody to prove that God exists. And here are these these five arguments that you just need to memorize and and logical proofs that you can make. It's when you're telling a story. You can't argue with the story. Yeah, it's what's happened to <laughs> yeah. you. And so if that's something that happened to you and you share that as a story, as an evidence for God, uh, then that story carries out probably more weight than any logical argument that we could mm-hmm. make. Yeah, I, I personally think that as important as as God's re- revelation in creation and, and his entering into history is um, this is, I think, the most important thing because uh, we're told in, in the New Testament, you know, always be prepared to give people the reason for the hope that's in you. Right. And that comes out of your story and your mm-hmm. interaction with God. Yeah. So um, anything else on that personal, personal clues for God that you wanted to throw in? Um, well, it, it also... It, it does stress the idea that we need, as we're going through things, we need to give God the opportunity to do things. We need to trust Him. And uh, when, we, when we can't trust Him, there's also times where God just gives you lessons. And sometimes the lessons where we have to learn to trust or we have to learn how to, uh, to apply what He teaches us in our relationships with other people and it, it actually works. You know, the idea when somebody calls you a name, uh, there's several times in Scripture where we're told to just ignore it because we've done the same thing in the past. So mm-hmm. don't let it bother you. Just let it go right past you. And But we can't try that because that's how people don't do it. <laughs> but until we get to the point where we can trust them and we try, okay, I'll just ignore it and then see what opportunities uh, will come up to sort of straighten things out with that person in a, in a gentle, peaceful, uh, really wonderful manner. And when we trust it and it works, they say, wow, it's real. Mm-hmm. And, and letting ourselves trust God it are opportunities for God to just reveal himself to us. Okay. Um, kind of as we, as we wrap up, and that advice you just gave reminded me, <laughs> kind of bringing it back full circle, that... There, we probably have a lot of opportunities right now to do just that very thing. Mm-hmm. That in this situation, we we have an opportunity to, as we said earlier, we can we can respond in fear, which a lot of the world is responding in fear right now. That's a choice. You can choose that. No one's going to force you to not be afraid. That you know, God isn't going to force you to not be afraid. He's going to give you lots of reasons to not be afraid, but he's not going to force you to not be afraid. We just have to we we have to make that choice. Um, but 
but you know, how can we through this through this crisis that the whole world is experiencing? How can we uh, start to look for evidences of God in this situation? Right. I mean, like right now, our church has made the commitment to to join the efforts of our community to do everything we can to help pe- keep people safe from the virus and uh, and to do whatever's necessary to help slow down and stop the spread of this virus. Mm-hmm. And that put, that's a real sacrifice for us as a church because we're, we're going to lose money. We're, uh, a lot of opportunities that look like they were happening are no longer happening, uh, for, for instance, for renting the building. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we don't know what's going to happen with our, our church family because we're not meeting together, uh, which is why we're so much investing in online mm-hmm. uh, gatherings. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen, but we've committed ourselves to it, and I have absolute confidence that we're going to get through this. Mm-hmm. God's asking us to just trust Him with our finances and to trust Him with our opportunities. And, uh, you know, even just with with uh, the the things online that we've done in in one week are giving us real optimism. Mm-hmm. We're seeing things to be really hopeful, and we're expecting God to to do some great things. It'll become part of our church's story, right? And yeah, well, this is going to become it's going to be part of every church's story That's and everybody's true. story because uh, this is this is the I mean, listening to someone today, this is this is the largest worldwide event since World War II was what they were saying that the world hasn't been affected all at once at the same time by the same thing since since uh, World War II. So it's it's definitely a defining moment for humanity uh, right now. But but how we you know how we go through a situation like this is is dependent on the choice that we make and, and how we see it. And like you were saying, we can uh, we could choose to see the problems, and and there are problems. There are there's a lot of inconveniences, and there's a lot of real actual problems that people are dealing with, and um, and you can you can choose to focus on that, or you can choose to look for the opportunities. And and I think what you said, you know, that's what we're that's what we're doing as a church. We're just we're choosing to see the opportunities in this situation, and and not letting ourselves. And there, that doesn't mean there won't be moments. Sure, where where we experience frustration, or or even get sick, right? Or, you know, trusting God doesn't mean I'm not going to get sick, right? But it means that I can trust Him with it, and it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And He may even accomplish things through that and open some doors because right. of that, right? But it's it's all in our perspective and looking at it, and when and it also brings us back to our our topic when. When you believe God exists and and you're always looking for clues that He exists, then when you're going through a crisis or a situation like this, you can start to see uh, how God is working in it. For instance, um, on a typical day here at the church, we have a lot of a lot of you know middle schoolers and maybe elementary kids walk by the school. Some high school kids walk by the school. Um, but today, I noticed when I when I left the building, I was tr- I'm trying to track down a webcam. Um, which are also sold out, <laughs> like everything else is sold out. Um, but as I was as I was driving, I noticed there are there were a lot of people walking. There were a lot of adults all the way down the street, 
and and right now uh, just a, you know another guy jogging by and earlier you know several people have been jogging by adults and we see that fairly regularly but but on a very regular basis right now we're seeing people outside taking walks together enjoying nature mm-hmm. slowing down mm-hmm. and being able to do things that that they haven't done they wouldn't be able to do if they were working and and just going through the grind and so you could say, well, they don't have any other choice. That's what they have to do. They can't sit in the house all day. Or you could say, God has God has given us an opportunity as a society to to slow down and look at what what really matters. What's right. the most important Spend thing? Spend time with, yeah. with your family and and develop new family friendly activities and being creative with your diet and your your you know preparing your meals and not so, wasting so much food right because <laughs> as or americans toi- or, we waste a lot or of food. wasting toilet paper or, yeah <laughs> or hoarding toilet paper yeah uh, i see uh, sue smith just joined us uh good to have i don't think is my mom on i don't think my mom was on here this is one of the first ones that my mom hasn't been on live I know she was asking about it, but I was going to say I had my mom and my mother-in-law on the same, watching the same thing, but not not today. It doesn't look like, but um, yeah, I you know I don't know if I just want to give one last uh, opportunity for questions. It can be about anything. Um, Shelley Fisk said that uh, he helped us feed people yesterday. The food pantry was Absolutely. able to feed a lot of it, people. It was amazing how it was a lot of hard work and a lot of. People showed up and did a lot of hard work to make it happen, but at the same time, we had a ton of food to give out. Uh, we had we had volunteers to get er- pretty much everything done, and our clients were just all so friendly. And even though a lot of them had to wait a period of time, it, it didn't seem to bother them. This was seemed to be a real place of peace yesterday, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, just looking at all the little things that that happened, it was it was pretty amazing. Do you, have, do you know how many people you guys served yesterday? Um, it looks like it's probably around a, 110. Okay. So about average, about an average amount of people, maybe a little less than average yeah. from the uh, previous couple of weeks. But, but still, um, you had to change everything about how we do the food pantry. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so we couldn't let people into the building. We couldn't let people shop. We couldn't let, do a lot of those things. And yet... So that that means there were 110, because uh, I helped in the morning and we were giving out wagons, those green uh-huh. landscaping you know, utility wagons, not a not the little red wagons, but the big utility right. wagons piled high, piled high, and I was you know, I was pulling them from from getting loaded up out to deliver them, and so it wasn't just a wagon full, but oftentimes a box on top of boxes. Full and so you so you pulled out. We pulled out 110 wagons worth of food yesterday, which it's hard to imagine that it's even possible that that much food could be put in the room. Mm-hmm. So, so maybe even there might have even been a little loaves and fishes kind of a miracle happening yesterday with just keep pulling out cans yeah. of uh, cans of canned beef. And Jesus <laughs> <Yeah>. was <laughs> Jesus. The miracle. It's not loaves and fishes. It's canned beef and. Uh, and um, and peaches and, and peaches and yeah you know, produce meat pitted dried plums right. and I'm always um, amazed how yeah. how the food seems to last but yeah just you know there it is a crisis it is a dangerous situation uh, it's a very it's a contagious virus we're breaking the rules right now I just realized we're not sitting six feet apart you know we're too close together but um, 
like Jim said, we're, we want to we want to support the enforcement of those ideas, and we want to lead by example. Shelley says we're ble- we're we're a blessed church pantry. That's true, mm-hmm. um, but um, if we if we focus too much on the fear, if we focus too much on the problems, focus too much on the stuff that's being taken away from us against our will, it'd be easy to get frustrated. But we could we can look for well, these are opportunities to get creative opportunities to problem solve and to do things that we've never done in a way that we've never done them and and in the end i think what's going to happen is that everyone is going to be better everyone's way of living is going to be better everyone's problem solving is going to be better it's just mm-hmm. there's, there's a lot of good that can come out of out of a crisis like this if we're looking for it yeah and we're getting a lot of really good ideas for our, our sunday service our live service online yeah i, I should have had a i guess i don't have the uh, other thing here but um so I can't show you the slide, but yeah, we're going to have a, 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 an interactive, a, a more interactive service this coming Sunday than we had last Sunday. Last Sunday we had some really good interaction, but we're coming up with some ideas to create more interaction. Uh, Jim's going to be doing a Jake story, and we talked about. So there's for the kids, we're going to have a Jim and Jake story as part of the service. So uh, that will be there, um, and then of course I, I think this might be the last week in our light pollution series, which. Talk about timing. So we started this series, Light Pollution, and it's built on the idea, the, the, the illustration for the series is on the idea that you can't see the stars anymore because of light pollution in the city. And we were talking about how, how we're overwhelmed as a, as a society right now with lights that are taking our attention away from God. And there's just an abundance of distractions that keep us from focusing on God. And right in the middle of this series... Um, I just posted today, there have been 2.1 billion mentions of coronavirus online in the last couple of weeks. And when you compare that with other pandemics, it doesn't even compare. I think 33 million was MERS or SARS or something like that. And so, so it's literally just being smashed in our face right now about this crisis, 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 crisis. And you can't get away from it. Every conversation. Yeah. Every conversation you have with anyone about anything is going to be about this. <laughs> it's always going to find a way to migrate back to this situation. But it just it really reiterates the importance of when the distractions are great, no matter how many opportunities there are to take your focus off of God, we need to work harder to, to minimize those distractions and, and focus on the one who is able to solve the crisis. Right. Who has the answer. So. So we're going to be wrapping that series up on Sunday at 10 a.m. right here, same spot, 6-8 Church uh, on Facebook. And uh, so we'd love to have you come join us there and uh, for an interactive interactive church experience. It's not just going to be me talking the whole time. We're going to do our best to, to have some interaction. But thanks so much for joining us today. That's all we have, I guess, for... For uh, our third episode of the uh, of the questions podcast, we had these microphones, so that it's going to be recorded. So we'll publish the uh, the recorded version as well, so you can feel free to share that or the video. We appreciate all that. Pete joined us right there at the end as well. So hi, Pete. Good to see you. Um, hope you're hope you're doing well down in the, the the sunny part of the country. But that's all we've got. Have a great great afternoon. Jim's going to be here tomorrow. Hopefully tomorrow we'll we'll make an announcement about that on the Facebook page. Uh, offering some scriptural encouragement as well. So take care. We'll see you soon.